Hi, you guys. Welcome to the first episode of the Amani Talks podcast. Oh my gosh, you guys. Like, I am so excited to get this podcast going. I'm so grateful that you guys all like me. Like, I can't believe that you like me enough to sit here and listen to me talk and are like just like interested in what's going on. But one thing that I know for sure, like 100% for sure, I do it for the black girls every single time. And that's why you guys support me. And I love that. Like, I love the community and the camaraderie that I get from my fellow black girls. When y'all see me out, y'all be like, oh, I know you from TikTok. And I'll be like, hey. And like, it's just like, I'm just so grateful for like the love and the support, you guys. Like, honestly, like, it means so much. Recently hit 100K on TikTok. And it's all up from here. I hope you guys just enjoy the podcast and just enjoy the journey because we're going to be going through this experience 100% together. Like, we we like this now like me you in this podcast like it's it's just up from here 100% so I'm literally just like happy to be here like I swear I just want to give you guys like this first episode to kind of like give you an idea of what you should expect from this podcast give you an introduction to me give you a little background on me uh, as to how we got here to begin with so literally like my background um if you guys follow me on TikTok I already kind of gave a little glimpse of my background but um, I'm, my name's Imani, starting off. I'm 28. I live in Atlanta and Buckhead. I'm what you would call an Atlanta transplant. I am far from being from Georgia. I'm from upstate New York, Syracuse to be exact. And, um, I went to school there, spent the majority of my life there and decided, um, pretty much at a young age that Syracuse was not the place I was meant to be. Like it just never felt like, You know, my family is there. I love my family and everything is very familiar to me, but I just never, I just always knew that that was not where I was going to end up. I always felt like I was there by mistake. You know, like I I, I swear, like I just, I just always knew that there was more for me. And when I used to visit my family that lived here, um, when I was, you know, in New York, I would come for, you know, just to visit them for breaks and stuff like that. And I would just see how it is down here because One thing about upstate New York, it is very white. It is very white-centered. It is very white-focused. There have been plenty of times that I've been the only black employee in the office, the only black student in the classroom, and that was just normal for me. And I was just tired of feeling like the minority, like I didn't have a community, like I was constantly having to prove myself in different situations. And visiting my family down here and just walking into grocery stores and everyone's black, going to restaurants and everyone's black. There is no black owned in Syracuse. You know, like you don't, you don't go to lounges and nightclubs. Like that's not a thing. Like you go to bars in upstate New York and you hear country music and I'm not exaggerating. Like that's really how it is. So I just felt like I was never meant to stay there. I was never meant to be there. After college, I was working a full-time job. And, um, I remember one day I told my mom, I was like, um, I'm really thinking about moving to Georgia. And I feel like she didn't take me serious. And one thing that my family learned about me very quickly is that when I say I'm going to do something, honey, I do it. I'm not a talker. I am a doer. Most of the time, I don't even tell you that I'm doing something until I'm already doing it. Like, I don't give people glimpses into my life until I know for a fact that I'm doing it and it's damn near already done. So I told my mom I was moving to Georgia. I don't feel like she believed me. She was like, okay, Amani, eat your food. Like, you know, we sitting there at dinner and I'm trying to tell her. And a couple months later, packed up everything that I owned in in this two-door hoopty Pontiac that I owned, paid like $2,000 for it, rusted out at the bottoms, barely had brakes. I packed everything that I owned into uh, into that 
car and drove halfway across the country from upstate New York to Georgia and literally started my life. Like, I feel like my life started when I got here and I'm not exaggerating. Like just, I don't feel like there's really any other place in the country that you are going to see black people doing so well in every corner, you know, because in upstate New York, you see black people doing okay, you know, and, and then also a lot of times you see black people living bad, like, just living bad. And that just became the norm like that. I was used to seeing that. And I just wanted to broaden my horizons. I wanted to see black people doing well, you know, and Atlanta is like, you know, the black metropolis, like there's no other place in the country that you're going to see black people doing so well besides DC. And I'm definitely not living up North again. Like if I never seen another snowflake a day in my life, it'll still be too soon. Like I was sick of the snow. I was sick of the the whiteness i i just had to get away and see you know what what it's like living in atlanta visiting is one thing but living here it has completely changed my life so you know packed my car moved here i was working corporate and banking i liked my job too but when the pandemic hit we started working from home and i hated working from home. Like when I tell you my stress, anxiety, and depression levels were through the roof. I already struggled with anxiety going through college and working from home. And it's just you and the job. And it was such a stressful job. Um, and I, and the whole, and the crazy thing is I was good at my job. (laughs) Like the year that I was there, I was like, you know, I, I was, I was really good at my job. But I absolutely hated it. And, um, you know, while I was transitioning, because when I first got to Georgia, I wasn't even living in Atlanta. I was living like an hour away. And I always knew I wanted to get to Atlanta. And so I was like, dang, like, I got to come up with a plan. Like, I got to get to Atlanta. I got to get, you know, I got to get my money up because Atlanta ain't cheap. So what I started doing was I was working my nine to five job, like an hour outside of Atlanta. And um, when I would clock out from my nine to five on Friday, 5 PM, I would clock out. I drove into the city and started working at clubs and lounges. And I feel like that's also like a big part of my story, because even though I only see it as a job and I see it as just a way of, you know, just me having disposable income and a comfortable lifestyle and just being able to do what I want to do because I have all this extra disposable income. It's a big part of my story because it allowed me to have this lifestyle. And it also is a big part of my social media story. And if you guys have been following me, I almost scratched my eye. If you guys have been following me, um, I started from YouTube doing makeup and hair tutorials, transitioned into Instagram where I was getting modeling jobs. And then, um, you know, when the pandemic hit, I joined TikTok like everybody else and just kind of blew up from there talking about my job as a bottle girl. People are just really interested in it. And I get it because the Atlanta light nightlife It's really like nothing else. Even when I travel outside the state, when I travel outside the country, I don't even feel the need to like party when I travel. Like party, like traveling for me is really the time that I relax because if I want to party, I'm never going to get a better nightlife situation than Atlanta. Like all the black owned spaces, just, you know, just, it's just nothing like you, you can really experience in any other part of this country, in my opinion, 100%. So yeah, the nightlife part portion of my life is a big part of my story because it it, it really got me to where I am today. Um, it afforded me experiences. It it afforded me stories to tell. You know, people wanted to watch me. That's what got my TikTok. My TikTok blew up off of people just wanting to hear about the celebrities I meet or the crazy situations that you get into working in nightlife. 
Um, you know, it, it's just very interesting and I, and I 100% get it. Um, I was interested in it and that's why I started working in nightlife. Um, it's not my whole life. It's a very small part of what I consider my story, but, um, it's still a part of my story. And I, you know, I still work in nightlife right now. I'm trans, you, well, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but you know, I'm working the weekends. I'm getting my money up and I'm just using it as an avenue for bigger and better things. 100%. So, you know, from corporate, um, I was working in the clubs and, um, during the pandemic, I was still working my corporate job and I was hating it. And I had took some time off from working in nightlife because, you know, I was, I didn't want to get COVID and stuff like that. You know, I didn't want to be around people. I took around three months off and then I was just like, you know what? I'm getting out of this corporate situation. I cannot take it anymore. So I had to start, you know, going back to nightlife, get my money up, saving my money. And the first day I went back to working in the clubs from just purely working nightlife, I remember I was working at Escobar at the time. And on a Thursday night, I made over $700. And I was like, this is what I've been missing these last three months that I've been trying to just work corporate like $700 in a day. Like I've never made that much money in one day. And one thing about Atlanta during the pandemic, we did not close at all. There was barely a mask mandate for us. Like literally like everybody in a mama was coming to Atlanta because we were the only major city open and Atlanta's already lit. People getting that PPP money, that scam money, that, that unemployment money. I cannot tell you how many times I've swiped like those Georgia unemployment cards for liquor and bottles and stuff (laughs) during the pandemic. Like Everybody was getting that extra money and they were spending it in the clubs and I was ready to receive it. I had my hand open like, yes, give me all your monties. Give me all your monties. Like <laughs> 100% like it was just, and when I quit my corporate job, because I realized I was making so much on the weekends, I would literally work Friday through Sunday and make so much money that it didn't even make any sense for me to still be stressed out about a corporate job. So I quit corporate, which I thought I would never do. Like I remember when I first started working at Escobar, my manager asked me, what would it take for you to leave your corporate job and work for us full time? I was like, I would never do that. I would never do that. Like the clubs were just a second hustle for me to allow me more money. And you know, but I was not ready to walk away from um, a structured lifestyle, from benefits, from just knowing that I have a paycheck. And I wanted to keep going up the corporate ladder. I was working in banking and I wanted to get into mortgages. And that was my plan. Like that, that was my plan, you know, and, and, Shoot, but when that money started coming in, girl, from the clubs, I was just like, it don't make no sense. Why am I doing this? Why am I torturing myself with this corporate job that I absolutely hate? No, thank you. I quit. I started a hair business. Um, and you know, I just dabbled in so many different things. And the money that I was making from the clubs allowed me to do that. It 100% allowed me to do that. So Um, yeah, I just, I just got into so many different things and I, I discovered what I liked, what I didn't like, what I want to do, what I don't want to do, um, how I hate working for someone else, like, you know, and social media just became my thing. It 100% just became my thing and I was good at it. I mean, I am good at it, you know, and one thing about it too, is I always just had this voice for just representing black people, representing black women. And that's why I feel like the black girls rock with me so hard because I rock with them. Like they know what they're getting from me. Like they will get someone that's in their corner every single time. If nobody else in the room is speaking up for pro black and pushing a positive black agenda and 
a black family structure, it's going to be me. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm very pro-black. My mom, even she be, she be like, girl, like she's my mom. Listen, I have a black mom that thinks that I'm so pro-black that I'm darn near offensive. Like that's how I strongly, you know, 100% push for my community. So you're going to get all that in this podcast. Like I'm just giving you guys a taste of what you should like expect from me, expect from the podcast, expect a positive black agenda, expect me talking about my life as a single 28 year old woman in Atlanta, my dating life, my friendships, my community, um, my career, my, my dreams, you know, like all, all this different stuff. There are so many facets of life. And I feel like, you know, just me living in Atlanta, living the life that I want to live. And it's so crazy that I'm saying the life I want to live, because if you would have asked this, if if you would have asked me when I was 20 years old, when I was in college studying environmental biology, thinking 100% that I was, you couldn't tell me I was not going to vet school. I grew up an animal lover. You could not tell me that I was not going to vet school. And I was such a nerd in school. Like I was a mathlete. <laughs> I studied like classical ballet for, for years. Um, I was a part of the rocket club. Like I was an honor society, honor, sorry, honors society in high school. Like I was all, all about the books because I was like, I got to get the grades to get to vet school. Like that, that was my plan. So if you would have told 20 year old Imani, that was busting her ass in college, <laughs> going through college, studying biology, that I was going to be 28, <laughs> not only 28 and, you know, single loving life and doing whatever I want to, but I was going to be a bottle girl. I'd be like, bitch, get the fuck out. <laughs> I would have been like, shut the fuck up. But here I am. And it's not the life that I planned for myself, but it's the life that I have. And I 100% love it. Like I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I am 100% creating a lane for myself while speaking up and having a voice for the black girls. And yeah, I, I found my lane and I'm happy. And yeah, that, that you guys are going to get every aspect of my life. Like really nothing is going to be off limits, off topic. Um, it's, it's going to be me and you girl. Like we locked in like this now, like you watching this podcast, you a part of this podcast, just like I am. I just cannot wait to experience this and see where it goes and see where it grows. And yeah, like, I'm so glad that you guys are tuning in and watching. And I hope that you're just excited about this journey as I am. So Thank you guys for watching this first episode, a little intro about me and my life and what you should expect from the podcast coming forward. Um, many more episodes to come, guests, speakers, and the whole shebang. So get ready because Amani Talks is here. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching. I'll see you later.